to Deuteronomy chapter 29, and we'll read a passage there in just a moment, Deuteronomy chapter 29. Thank you all for being back with us again this afternoon. Hope and pray everybody had a great afternoon. We have guests with us. Thank you for being with us as well. And we have people watching via live stream. I got a text message from a friend of mine today, and he said he watched a sermon in uh, Pennsylvania, and that was a big encouragement to me. And another member here mentioned that their family has been watching the Bible classes on Wednesday night. So great opportunity for us to share the word and for others to learn uh, uh, what the Bible says about certain things uh, with the live stream. So share the sermons online and, and make sure your friends are aware of all the different resources that we have on our website as they strive to learn more about our God in heaven. Well, I want to share with you a story, something that happened to me a few years ago. Every Sunday, for the most part, if it works out according to plan, I like to get a workout in before I, uh, before I come to uh, worship services. It kind of gets my, my brain uh, moving a little bit more and thinking a little bit more. And one Sunday, I think it was at least maybe two or three years ago in Beaumont, I went out for a jog. And I typically will listen to music on my cell phone. And uh, I got an email from someone that I know. She has a nonprofit group. Uh, that deals with patients who have the heart condition that I have. And typically I try not to text or to uh, check emails while I'm working out, but I, I looked at the email that she sent me and she was asking for some assistance with something. And she gave me some details about it and I responded back to her, I think at the track, letting her know that I'd be more than happy uh, to help her out. Uh, a short while later, she emailed me back and said, oops, I meant to email another Ben. And so she had the wrong bin. Has that ever happened to you? Somebody emailed you and they say, nope, that wasn't for you. Uh, but in the process of time, we followed up and she said, you know what? You're a man of faith. Maybe it was a providence of God. And that kind of got me thinking a little bit. Have you ever had situations like that where certain things happen and you maybe ask yourself, was this just coincidence or was it providence? I've had situations like that where my mind really starts thinking, you know, why is this happening and certain circumstances that happen along the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of providence or coincidence. Uh, one example is when I met Nikki years ago uh, in Syracuse, New York, her maiden name was Benjamin. Providence or coincidence? I think that's going to be more coincidence. That's what I'm thinking. But I will tell you this, when I look back and as I made the decision to, uh, to get into preaching, I was in Columbia, Missouri, and an opportunity opened up in Beaumont, Texas to be a part of the preacher training program there. Uh, while I may not be able to definitively say it, I believe the providence of the Lord was at work with the timing of everything and the door opening up. And I will tell you this too, uh, with Nikki and I and Josh moving here, I believe this is not coincidence. I believe in the providence of the Lord. It is an interesting study, isn't it? When you start really thinking about the providence of God, and you can really spend weeks or months diving into this subject. It is a very rich subject for us to, to think about. And one of the biggest challenges is how are we able to determine or what do the scriptures help us to see with this idea of the providence of the Lord. And so I want to talk about that for a little bit. Now, this study is not uh, designed to just to kind of uh, satisfy our curiosity. I have lots of questions about lots of things. And I will tell you uh, that we may not always have an exact answer for everything. In Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, and I want to do a sermon on this verse eventually, the Bible says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. 
There are many things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us from Genesis to Revelation. We have words of the Holy Spirit, revelation given to us has been recorded for us. Yet at the same time, there will be some occasions where we may not always get a uh, an answer to some of the questions that we may have. But the Holy Spirit has given us lots of information for us that we can know with respect to God and Christ and salvation and what it is they want us to know. And so I believe the Bible gives us a lot of information pertaining to this subject of the providence of God. And so I want to talk a little bit about providence or coincidence. And as we talk about this subject, the first thing that we have to consider is making sure that we have a good understanding of our terms. And so whenever we dive into a Bible subject or topic, let's make sure that we define our terms. So let me ask you, how would you define the term coincidence? We use this word quite a bit. That was just coincidence. Uh, Let me give you a couple of working definitions with respect to coincidence. Coincidence could be described as a, a striking occurrence of two or more events at the same time by mere chance or an accidental but seemingly planned occurrence of events, ideas, at the same time. For example, maybe you go to work tomorrow and you notice that you and your colleague have the same shirt. That's probably going to fall under the, uh, the topic or the, uh, the realm of coincidence. Or maybe you have said the same phrase at the exact same time when someone else has said it. I think that falls into the realm of coincidence. And there are times when things happen by coincidence or by chance. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, the Bible says time and chance happen to all. Yet, there are some, there's a, there's a distinction that needs to be made between coincidence and between providence. And this is something important for us to understand, to make sure that we uh, properly understand this before we look at some passages. Uh, you look at the word providence, you see the word provide there. And that word is made up of two words, pro, which means before, and to vidier, which means to see, to see before, or the idea of forethought. And in Acts chapter 24, turn over to Acts 24, verse number 3, we actually see this word being used, not uh, with respect to God, but a man. In Acts chapter 24, actually look at verse number 2. Acts chapter 24 and verse number 2. The Bible says in Acts 24 and verse number 2, after Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, since we have through you attained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation. We acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. And so the governor is described as uh, by his providence or because of his providence, reforms were being carried out. And I think that's the idea of the fact that he was making provisions and had forethought and how that was benefiting the people at that time. So when we think about providence and as we talk about providence pertaining to God, it's the idea of God seeing a need or desired outcome and arranging things through natural means to meet that need. I think that's a good working definition of the idea of providence. As we talk about this, it is also important to make sure that we understand, I want to show you uh, an example of this in the scriptures, that the providence of God does not, does not override man's free will. And that's important. And people have lots of questions about that. But the providence of God does not override the free will of men. A distinction also needs to be made between providence and miracles. If you notice that definition there, God seeing a need or desired outcome and arranging things through natural means to meet that need. The providence of God, as one has suggested, is what God does behind the scenes. Uh, what God does behind the scenes as compared to miracles. 
miracle was a supernatural act of God, the intervention of God in a way that went above the natural law or transcendent the natural law. You look all throughout the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, miracles could be seen, heard, uh, people would be able to know that this was taking place. You look in the uh, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, uh, people heard the apostles speaking in tongues. People would be able to see Jesus healing the sick or raising someone from the dead. But there's a distinction between the providence of God, God working through his providence and miracles. So that's very important for us to understand. Providence is God working through natural law or men to produce a desired outcome. This is important because a lot of times, and what I may say here may upset some people who listen to the sermon, but I believe miracles have ceased. And I believe we can, we can say that when we study the word of God. Miracles served a purpose They served a purpose, and when that purpose was finished, they are no longer needed. This does not say that God no longer has power or anything like that, but miracles always served a purpose. But a lot of times when people hear that, they'll say, well, wait a second, you're just putting God in a box. You're you're just, you're just putting him in a box to say, you know, he no longer is working through miracles. That's not the case at all. In fact, I think when people say that, that the only way that God can work is through miracles is putting God in a box. And so while he did work through miracles, I don't believe miracles are taking place. Yet, I do believe that we still see the providence of God or we see our Lord at work. And so that's something very important that we understand. So just having a good basic understanding, a distinction between providence and coincidence is going to go a long way. Now, I have not given you much Bible, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you a lot of scriptures to ponder and to think about. And I will tell you that I don't, I don't have all the answers to this. Uh, it's hard for us to, to, uh, to definitively say sometimes, uh, this is the providence of God. Yet in the scriptures, I think we can do that because the Holy Spirit has revealed things to us where we can look at the word of God. We have the bigger picture and we can see the providence of God at work. And so I want you to show you, I want to show you eight passages where we see I believe the providence of God. And so I want you to turn and read these passages with me. And we're going to begin in the Old Testament. Open up your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, I want to show you the example of Abraham and Isaac. Now, if you're familiar, if you're not, let me just give you a couple of details pertaining to Abraham. Abraham, you remember back in Genesis chapter 12, was given great promises that he was going to be great. His name was going to be great. Uh, through him, all families of the earth would be blessed or the blessing promise was going to come through him, he would eventually have a son named Isaac. In the process of time, the Lord told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, verse number 4, the Bible says, On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. You can hear the confidence in Abraham. We're going to worship and then we're going to come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but, but where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. So Isaac is picking up on it. We got everything, but we're missing something. Where's the sacrifice? Then Abraham, excuse me, in verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide. 
God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. And that's exactly what happened. God would provide for Abraham. He would provide for Isaac. In verse 13, then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. I think we see the providence of the Lord there where God did provide for Abraham and for Isaac. And it demonstrated God providing what he told Abraham was what was going to happen. And so I think that's a good example of the providence of the Lord in action. A second example, and this is really powerful, is the story of, of Joseph. How much detail is given to us in the book of Genesis? So much is given to us of the story of this man named Joseph. How his how his brothers uh, threw, uh, uh, sold him into slavery and how he went to Egypt and how uh, Potiphar's wife would uh, lie about him and how he was thrown into prison. And while Joseph may not have had all of the details about this, when you get to Genesis chapter 50, Joseph is able to look back and he's able to see the Lord, he's been working and the Lord has been with me. In Genesis chapter 50, and I want you to notice verse number 20. As his family was there, as he was talking to them, uh, he said in verse number 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. I think Joseph was starting to recognize the Lord was working this entire time. His brothers meant all of this for evil, but God had this plan that he was going to carry out, these promises that needed to be fulfilled, and Joseph was going to be a big part of that. And so I believe when you look at the story of Joseph, uh, Joseph and his entire life shows us the providence of, lo- of the Lord at work. God's providence was working to fulfill those promises that were given to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. A third example is this, God delivering a nation, his people, uh, his, the Israelites. I want you to turn over to Ezra chapter 1, and this is something that's interesting as well. When you start thinking about the providence of the Lord, uh, that it's demonstrated not just in individuals, but also in nations. And this is what we find in the Old Testament, that who's in control over all things? God is in control over all things, including the nations. And this is what we find. If you recall, uh, the, uh, Judah had been in Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years. But God had promised them after 70 years, I'm going to allow you to return back home. Now, there was no miracle that took place to allow his people to return back home. Yet in the process of time, God's people would be delivered. And I want you to notice in Ezra chapter 1, verse number 1, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and so that gives us some information about who's going to allow the Israelites to go back home. It's going to be King Cyrus and, and the nation of Persia. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. I believe that's a good example of the providence of God. God providentially used. Cyrus to allow his people to return back home. 
there are so many examples that we could give, and this is just kind of touching uh, just the tip of all of this with respect to the providence of God. Go one book uh, after Nehemiah, or I'm sorry, after Ezra, and look at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books. And when you look at the story of Nehemiah, it really is powerful because Nehemiah would receive some news that the, his people back in Jerusalem were suffering. And Nehemiah is not there. He's hundreds of miles away. And a lot of time has passed since they had returned back home. And I want to read the first four verses of chapter 1. I want you to notice, when you study the book of Nehemiah, there's 13 chapters. I don't think one time, I don't think one time you find a miracle taking place. But we clearly see God is working. And he's with his people. And I believe this is a good example of the providence of the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month Kislev in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We drop down to chapter 2 and verse 1. A few months have passed. It came about in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. He's going to stand before this king and the king is going to ask him what's going on. And Nehemiah is going to share with this king the problem of, of what was taking place back at home. He said in verse number three, why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, watch this, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I gave him a definite time. So uh, God is providentially blessing uh, Nehemiah and uh, go and using this king to allow his people to be blessed when Nehemiah goes back there. The language in verse number eight is powerful. At the end, Nehemiah says at the end of verse number eight, and the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Nehemiah recognized that the Lord was with him. Uh, and while there are no miracles taking place, I believe we can see the Lord working providentially, doors opening up so Nehemiah could provide assistance for his people. God's providence was at work. Another example I want to share with you is in the New Testament. Look over in Acts chapter 23. We find the Apostle Paul in prison in Acts chapter 23. There are some interesting examples in the book of Acts where we find apostles like Peter. Remember Peter in Acts chapter 12? Peter was in prison. And I believe a miracle took place there in Acts chapter 12 when, when Peter was able to escape and he went to the house of Mark and he's knocking on the door and they don't believe Mark was, they don't believe Peter was actually at the door. I believe there was a miracle that was taking place there. What about Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison and around midnight an earthquake occurred? I believe a miracle was taking place there. But in this example, I don't think a miracle was taking place, but rather we see the providence of the Lord at work. In Acts chapter 23, 
And young people, this is a good verse for you. In verse number 12 and 13, we're going to find that Paul's nephew is going to be able to assist him. What we see here in verse 12, it says, When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot. Verse 16, But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and towed Paul. Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. What can a child do? Some young people think, I can't do anything. I can't have an impact. Yes, you can. This young boy had an impact on the life of Paul because he learned of this uh, ambush that was going to take place, and he warned Paul, and this is going to allow Paul to go talk to uh, those who are in charge and ultimately help Paul be delivered. In verse 22, the Bible says, so let the commander, or so the commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. Now, there's no miracle that's taking place there, but Paul is going to be delivered. You see that? He's going to be delivered from this danger. And it's a fascinating story to see God providentially protecting his apostle, his spokesman, so that the work of God would be able to continue. That's not the only example, though, in the book of Acts. As we look at uh, different examples of, of, of providence, look over in Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, when Paul was on a ship uh, going to Rome in Acts 27 and verse number 23, Look at verse number 22. Actually, let's go back to verse 21 to get the context. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those that are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. So he said, listen, you got to trust what the Lord is saying here. All of us are going to be able to make it. And in order for us to make it, you're going to have to remain in the ship. And verse number 31 Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. And I think this is a powerful example of free will. These men still had choice. They had to make a decision whether or not they were going to listen to the apostle Paul and stay in the ship. God providentially allowed them to be able to make it through this storm, through this series of, neg- of, of bad events. And yet they still had free will to decide what they were going to do, whether or not they would listen. And so there, I believe, is another powerful example uh, of, of the providence of God that was at work for the Apostle Paul and for those other men. Let me give you two more examples here as we look at this, this idea of the providence of the Lord. Philemon, verse number 15. This is part of our, our Bible reading. Did you read Philemon? Uh, it's, it's a short letter that's often overlooked by many, and yet it's a really powerful letter. Uh, it's only one chapter, and we read it in our Bible reading. It's right before the book of Hebrews. And I may do a sermon on this too. There's so much for us to learn. You read about Philemon who had a church in his house and Onesimus. Uh, He was a slave of Philemon. And in verse number 15, Paul is writing to Philemon and he's talking about his relationship with Onesimus and how they actually met and their interaction. And the language is fascinating because in verse 15, he said, for 
perhaps talking about Onesimus, he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul and, and Onesimus had met under some weird circumstances. And the language that stands out to me is found in verse 15 when Paul said, perhaps he was for this reason separated from you. Maybe this was a providence of the Lord at work. That Onesimus, all the situation that took place with him running away and then meeting Paul and then becoming converted, perhaps this was the reason why all of this took place. So it appears that even Paul at times had some questions about why certain things happened. But that may be a great example also of the providence of God, of how Paul and Onesimus were able to cross paths and how great things came about as a result of that. One more example to share with you, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with some thoughts here. And we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but this is really scary to think about. God providentially used Persia and King Cyrus to deliver his people from Babylonian captivity. The book right before the book of Ezra is Second Chronicles. And remember that his people had been in captivity because of their idolatry, because of their wickedness, because they refused to follow the Lord. And I think this is something that we really need to think about, that the providence of God we see is demonstrated here when it came to punishing the people of God. In Second Chronicles chapter 36, and we're talking about this all throughout the book of Ezekiel, God is going to use Babylon. And I don't see any miracles taking place, but providentially Babylon is going to uh, bring Israel into captivity and, and God's punishment is going to be carried out through their hands. In second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse number 37, the Bible says there verse number 15, rather the Lord, the God of their father sent word to them again and again by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought up against him the king of the Chaldeans who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or infirm. He gave them all into his hand. That's a really powerful thing to think about, isn't it? That providentially the Lord was able to use one nation to bring about judgment upon another nation. We see the power of God at work. And while there were many rulers during that time, God ruled over the nations then. And he continues to rule over nations today. You know, I think about my opportunity that I had to go to Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe, so many great individuals there. Uh, but they, they had a terrible leader, President Mugabe, uh, and how he basically... Uh, took from his own people and starved his own people. And, and most recently, he was overtaken uh, as, as president. He's no longer president there. But that has got me thinking, was that all the providence of the Lord? Seeing how many people were struggling and suffering under the hands of this dictator. Well, I don't know exactly for sure. And I know that sometimes that can be frustrating for people where we can't always give a definitive answer. But I do know one thing, God is still in control over all nations. Do you agree with that? God is still in control. God reigns and he sees everything that takes place no matter where it may be. Now, those are only eight examples. 
we could we could be here till midnight. We're not, we're not going to do that, all right? But I do want to. I want you to think about something here. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, you know, how can I know for sure if this is the providence of the Lord? I can't give you an answer. I can't give you that answer. And I know that may not be the answer you want. But it's different when we look in the Word of God, where I believe we can see more definitively this we find God acting, and we see his providence at work. And yet, there are still some great lessons for us to really think about. So let me give you six thoughts to think about. Number one is this. From this study, and this is why this study is so important, we learn that God is still working. While miracles are no longer taking place, God is still at work. He's still active in the lives of men, and he will provide us what we need spiritually. And the fact that he tells us to pray is proof that he's still working on our behalf. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 2, such a powerful text, that we pray for all men, for all of those who are in, uh, who are in authority, and pray for doors of opportunity when it comes to the gospel. God is still working, and we need to believe that. Number two, we need to understand that God is still in control. He's the supreme judge and ruler over all things, and there's nothing that happens that he does not see or that he's not aware of. He knew everything that was taking place in Babylon and Persia and Egypt and Greece and Israel. And he knows everything that's taking place all around the world today. God is still in control. We can see that when we look at his providence. Number three, I want you to really think about this. God cares about you. He really cares about you. And he really cares about me. Think about the people we've seen. God provided for Nehemiah, for Paul, for Joseph, for Abraham, for Judah. He provides for the animal kingdom. You read Matthew 5, verse number 45, he provides for the wicked, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Make no mistake about it, my friend, as the people of God, God cares about us. And as a result of that, we shouldn't worry. That's what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. And we can learn and we should be able to take this home and and apply it. I know that can be challenging sometimes, but through the providence and through this study, we can see that the Lord knows what his people need. And he sees what's going on. And his ears are not closed to his people. He sees the the challenges and the difficulties and the necessities that his people need. Let's make sure we hold on to that. Number four, uh, appreciate the providence that you can know or the providence that you can see. While we can't always know if something is a providence of God, we can still see him providing every day. You read Genesis chapter 8, the promise is given to us that the seasons are going to remain. And what do we have right now? We have the seasons that still remain. And I know it's hot, and I know eventually it's going to get cold, and I know it's dry, and eventually it's going to get wet. But that's a reminder that God is still providing, and that God is true to his message, to his word, to his promises. And so we need to appreciate the providence we can see, because that's a reminder that God is trustworthy, that he loves us. And that he's going to continue to provide for mankind. And as a result of that, maybe we need to do this a little bit more. And everything, we need to give thanks. I don't know if I can't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to always determine this is certainly the providence of God, or maybe this was coincidence. But one of the greatest mindsets to have in everything: give thanks and appreciate the things that are taking place, and appreciating that there's always something for us to give thanks to with respect to God. And then maybe ultimately, when you look at the providence of God, when you study this and really dive into this, uh, brothers and sisters, friends, this goes to trust. We have to trust in the Lord. That's so easy to say, and it can be so hard to do. 
when different challenges come in our lives. But we really do need to trust in him. And I will tell you this, we don't need to see a miracle to believe that God is working for us. If you're waiting for a miracle, you're going to be disappointed. If you're waiting for God to speak to you in some small, still voice, you're going to be waiting until the day you die. And you won't hear him then. Because he's not working like that anymore. We don't need miracles. We have plenty of miracles recorded right here in this book. We need to believe these miracles and trust what it is that God has told us in his word. And we need to trust the examples of providence that have been recorded for us. We need to ultimately trust in him. The things that are written, these have been written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what John said in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And what this means for us is that we can have the utmost confidence in our God. If he could provide for all of those men and women in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, my friend, he's going to be able to provide for you and he's going to be able to provide for me. And that's what we should be able to take home from this study. I mentioned to you at the beginning that my friend sent me an email. Was that providence or coincidence? I got no idea. I really don't know. And that's okay because sometimes we aren't always going to know. But I do know this. I know that God is always going to provide for me. And I know that the Lord is always going to provide for you. And because of that, we need to trust his words and we need to live right. And I know something else. I know that there are people out there who are truly searching to learn and to know the truth. And I believe the providence of God is at work. Where those who are truly seeking to know the truth, uh, a door of opportunity is going to open up. Maybe there's someone here today. You've been desiring to learn more about the truth. We'd love to help you learn about the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Maybe someone will watch this sermon. Listen, I believe the providence of God is at work when it comes to evangelism. And if you've been searching, now is the time for you to take action. If you need to take action, we'd love to help you to learn more about who Jesus is. And the fact that he wants you to put him on in baptism and what that means and what you need to believe and the decisions and choices you're going to have to make or change along the way. Is there someone who needs to do that today? If that's so, come now as we stand and as we sing.